0: I see the evidence of your goodness all over my life, all over my life. And I see your promises and fulfillment all over my life, all over my life. All throughout my history, your faithfulness has walked beside me. The winter storms made way for spring. And every season from where I'm standing, will I see the evidence of your goodness. All over my life, all over my life. And I see your promises and fulfillment all over my life, all over my life. Help me remember when I'm weak that fear may come, but fear may leave you lead my heart to victory you are my strength and you always will be well I see the evidence of your goodness all over my life all over my life I see your promises and fulfillment All over my life All over my life You see the cross, the empty grave Your evidence is this. All my sin rolled away Because of you, oh Jesus You see the cross, the empty grave evidence is in this all my sin rolled away because of you oh Jesus I see the evidence of your goodness all over my life all over my life and I see Promises and fulfillment all over my life, all over my life. Oh, why should I fear the evidence is here? Why should I fear? The evidence is here
1: tonight. And uh, what I'd like to do, if we can go and just show that video, and uh, this will give you some insight into our ministry. And then I'll I'll talk a little bit more about what God's doing through our ministry and through our family. And so if we can go and play that video at this time, that'd that'd be a great blessing. Our great land, once built upon a foundation of faith in the Word of God, now vaguely resembles a Christian nation. Churches in America are closing by the thousands every year. For every new church that is planted in the United States, four others close. What will we do? Will we just give up? We must do all that we can to reach the souls of our nation with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are the Saunders family, Nathan, Kelly, Luke, Logan and Leah. We we're sent out of Bible Baptist Church of Will, Georgia under Pastor Ricky Gravely and serving through Macedonian World Baptist Missions. Our family has spent 13 years in the ministry of church planting in the western United States. And now God's called us to help other church planting missionaries to do the same. Much like the Apostle Paul, We desire to work alongside these men and their families to see churches planted all over the western region of our great country. More specifically, God has burdened our hearts for the southwestern region of the United States. When you think about the southwest, it's natural to imagine the arid deserts, red rock landscapes, rugged mountains, and amazing natural wonders like the Grand Canyon. from the bayous of Louisiana to the Pacific coast of California there are over 100 million souls that need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ the Southwestern culture is one that is gripped in false religion Native American spirit worship Catholicism and Mormonism have blinded them to the truth of salvation through Christ alone shrouded in spiritual darkness they desperately need the light of the gospel before it's eternally too late the Bible says in Acts chapter 26 and verse 18 to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them, which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Our prayer is that God will raise up an army to reach this under evangelized region of our great land. Statistics show that of the 10 US cities that most need gospel preaching churches, Six of the ten are in the Southwest U.S. There are over 235 counties that have zero independent Baptist churches and another 97 counties that need ten or more churches to reach their population with the gospel. Please pray for our family as we assist in church planning efforts and encourage missionaries all across the Southwestern United States. Please pray that God will use us as we go into Bible colleges, Christian schools, and youth camps to challenge the next generation to surrender, to go. Please pray for us as we host the Reach the World Youth Conferences all across the country. Please pray for more laborers. Christ emphasized this in Luke chapter 10 and verse 2. Therefore said he unto them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. There is a great need in the Southwest USA, and all across the world, God is still willing that all should come to repentance. Will you tell them? Will you go? That is the question of the hour, will you go? If you're not going to go, are you willing to send somebody that will go? I will tell you, the West is definitely different than it is here in the East. Uh, there is no Southern hospitality out West. What you see is what you get. When I was pastoring there in Montana, uh, I mean, listen, I'm just telling you, people are, are different there. Uh, I, I'm, if they're, you know, here in the Bible Belt, if you're fighting with your wife from the house to the church, and you pull up in the church parking lot and you get out of your car, you're going to put your Bible underneath your shoulder and you're going to smile all the way to the church and when your pastor opens the door and says, How are you all doing today? We're good, preacher. And you're lying through your teeth. Out west, they're going to fight from the house to the church and when they, when they get in there, I'm going to ask them, How are you doing today? We're fighting, preacher. I said, Oh, that's nice. Come on in. <laughs> what you see is what you get. There is, there is no facade. There, there, is, there is nothing. I'm telling you, they, they will, whatever's on their mind may come right out their mouth. And, uh, and I kind of like that, amen? I mean, you know what you're getting yourself into, and, and that is just the West. It is still rough and tough. Uh, we have a saying in the West, welcome to the West, we're men and men, and some of the women are too. If there's going to be a knockdown, drag out fight, I'm putting my money on some of those ladies, amen? Uh, I want them on my side, and uh, I'm just telling you, it's, it's a rough place. Um, I I will explain to you this way when we started our church our grand opening we had 28 in attendance and I praise the Lord for that three of which was a man his wife and their son and I knew exactly who they were they were from Georgia and I'm like, praise the Lord. What are y'all doing here? He says, brother, we're starting a church on the other side of the county. I'm like, praise the Lord. I mean, buddy, I mean, within seconds, I'm thinking, man, we can be sister churches. We can have revivals together, missions conferences together. I'll be there for him. He'll be there for me. It's going to be a great time. And that's what I'm thinking. We're going to conquer this county for the Lord together. He was starting his service, first service. Ours was September the 28th. His was going to be the very first Sunday of October. I saw him in November, uh, just briefly, and it was just in passing. And then I saw him in December, and I said, Brother, how's the church doing? How are things going? This is what he told me. We're going back to Georgia. I saw you all going back for Christmas. He says, No, we're done. That's it, three months. Three months. Did you notice what the statistics showed? 235 counties with zero independent Baptist churches. Did you catch that? Do you know how many Baptist churches I have passed from North Carolina to here? I mean, listen, I have driven by many, hundreds. You can stand on the front porch of one Baptist church and probably if you tossed a rock just in the right direction, you'd probably hit another Baptist church. Out west, it is not like that. They are few and far between. Hence the reason why the emphasis this week is on the west. You're going to meet some of my greatest friends. Uh, Caleb Ballou is even here tonight. I personally recruited Brother Caleb. You'll meet another Caleb. Don't get them confused. Amen. Caleb Ballou, and then there's Caleb Hewitt. Caleb Hewitt is in South, um, in South Dakota, in North Dakota, sorry. And then you've got Brother Teddy Angel. He's going to Colorado. All these men, listen, their heart, their passion is the West. I hope and pray this week you'll get to meet these missionaries and pray for them. I want you to pray for our family. Um, We are already up to about 80% of our needed support, and God has truly been blessing us. We started deputation right when COVID started. We lost about 83 meetings, but God's been good. And uh, we, we, we stay busy. I've had several of you ask me, Brother Saunders, so where is your home? It's parked behind your church right now. When, when, when we were there in Montana, we had we had an incredible ministry there. Uh, I love the 13 years that God gave us there. Uh, we planted the Solid Rock Baptist Church in a 1,200-square-foot building. And we saw people saved, baptized, and discipled, and it grew. And within those 13 years, it went from a 1,200-square-foot building and 50 chairs crammed into one room to 10 acres, three buildings. And in 2019, we felt the Lord calling us back into missions I had the privilege of turning all that and 120 people over to the next man. And we had a brand new home. I will tell you, we were living the pastoral dream. The church is on a growing spurt. We just went through the renovation. I had a contractor in my church say, Brother Saunders, we would love to build you a house for cost. And I'm like, Praise the Lord. I've never owned a home before. We lived in it three months. My wife designed the whole thing. I mean, it was incredible. Within three months, the Lord said, Nathan, I need you to go back into missions. Now, I'm going to be real and honest with you. Yes, I have been a pastor for many years. Yes, I do have a great relationship with the Lord. But I'm human just like the rest of you. And the conversation with the Lord kind of went like this. Now? Really? (laughs) I'm just being honest with you. I mean, I love those people. I love their house too say, well, why would you give all that up? Because the calling of God is greater than any possession I have ever had. I'm just telling you. You say, well, what happened to the church? God provided a pastor. What happened to the house? It sold. Well, what are you doing? We live life on the road. I had one pastor say, Brother Saunders, y'all are gypsies. I said, yeah, because I showed my calendar. Just, Just this month alone... I should say last month. Last month we spent most of the time in North Carolina preaching and singing in a lot of churches. Then we would drop down to South Carolina, then turn around and went right back up to North Carolina again. And then we drove all the way down here to Georgia. And Wednesday I will hook the car up to the back of, of our RV. And uh, right as I'm done preaching here Wednesday night and we're done shaking hands, um, I'm going to get in behind the wheel of that thing and we're going to drive as far as we can, probably the Tifton, Georgia um, we will spend the night in one of our homes called Walmart parking lot. And, um, and then we will drive to Tampa, Florida. And Thursday night, we're going to start another missions conference. It will go from Thursday to Sunday. That is our life. Yes, I am the director of the Southwest United States. When these missionaries go, this is, Brother, brother, brother Caleb has never pastored a church before. And so when he goes out west, he finds the building. Finds the place. You'll hear more about that come tomorrow night. Once they get settled, they raise their support and they go out west and they get settled. Guess where the Saunders family's going? We're going to Idaho. We're going to help them with whatever renovations they may need. Then we're going to to bring groups out from the east to pound on doors for a grand opening that's going to take place. We'll be with them. You say, why? Our ministry is like the Apostle Paul. If you haven't figured it out yet in the New Testament, anytime time they would go out, they'd go out in twos. They would go out in 2s they They'll go out in 2s Then the Apostle Paul, he would back away. And then he would return and strengthen the brethren. And that is, that, is one of, that is part of our ministry. I will tell you, our missionaries there in the West, we want to help them because there is an incredible thing they will face. It's called loneliness. Pastor Sexton, how many pastor friends do you have right now on hand that you could think of? 15 to, 20. fifteen to twenty. When he goes out west, he will not have fifteen. He will not have ten. He probably won't even have five. It'll probably be just him. He's got three. Three that he knows of those men could be anywhere from what? An hour, away. hour away. Hour and a half. And those men are already pastoring other churches. It's not like they can actually leave their church and come over and help him. if They needed to. The ministry is long. By the way, can I say this tonight? I'm not saying this because I know your pastor and your pastor's wife. And when I knew them, I was a kid then. Please take care of your pastor and your pastor's wife. I say this in every church I'm in. Pastors, well, probably to be more real and honest with you, pastors' wives, they're precious jewels. Take care of the ones you got. I mean that. They're precious. Preachers are a dime a dozen, but a pastor, they're precious. We know four to five hundred churches across this great country. They have property, they have people and they don't have a church. I'm sorry, they don't have a pastor. They don't have a pastor. What did Christ say when he saw them as as sheep having no shepherd? It moved the heart of God. He had compassion upon them because he saw them as sheep having no shepherd. Here you have a pastor with a great vision. There's nothing like walking into a church and seeing young people Wonder all about. Can I tell you something? Young people are not the church of tomorrow, they're the church of today. And if you don't invest in the church of today, there'll be no church come tomorrow. But it's also great when you walk into a church and you see plans on the back wall because a pastor has a vision and seeing his church grow and seeing taking them to the next level. Boy, you know what I say? Get behind the man of God. Amen. The, hey, the safest place for the sheep is right beside the shepherd. Right beside the shepherd. You say, Brother Saunders, is that the message not? No. Let's open our Bibles the book of Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14. Not only am I the director of the Southwest United States, we're going to help our missionaries that are already there. We're going to help our missionaries that are going there. But I'm also the director of outreach and recruitment. See, this isn't my first time raising support. I told you I started to be a missionary at the age of 15 and at the age of 16 I started to preach. I was a student missionary And when I graduated high school, I raised support. I went to South America, and I was there for about uh, six months through a program. My wife and I, we met on a mission trip. My parents brought her down to Peru. We were engaged, came back to the States. We were married. We raised our support. We were going to go to Ecuador. We raised our support in less than a year and a half. While we were on deputation that, that first time, every church and I mean every church we were in, we could find at least three young men who have either surrendered to preach, surrendered to missions, or surrendered to full-time Christian service. Typically, they would sit on the front row, and they would egg on their preacher while he preached like a wild thing. I'm saddened to tell you it's not that way this time. Very rare do you find young men that are surrendering to preach if I was to ask for all the preachers in the church to stand up tonight, will you do so, please? If you have surrendered to preach, will you, stand, will you stand to your feet? Yeah, go ahead. Now look around you. Boy, this is really going to send the point home. How old are you, brother? Thirty. You ain't 30. You're the youngest one. You're the youngest one. Dr. Deems has been around since Moses, hey man. (coughs) By the way, I thoroughly enjoy his Sunday school class. You men may be seated. I feel like I'm in Bible college every time I'm in in his class. But did you get the point? I surrendered to preach when I was 16. And every church we were in, we could find other men like that, young men that had surrendered. Where are they now? That is why I'm in Bible colleges and youth camps and Christian schools and and churches and, and, and I'm trying to challenge the next generation to surrender to go because we desperately need more pastors and more evangelists and more missionaries. Missionaries are coming home by the droves because they're old. They have major health issues and they can't stay there any longer. And The problem is no one's taking their place. You think COVID was a pandemic. I'm, I'm telling you, listen, the pandemic, there's a pandemic that is greater. And the Bible says that the fields are wide into harvest, but the labors are They're few. They're few. I, I am also not only uh, preaching and teaching in Bible colleges and youth camps and Christian schools, there's a particular youth camp that, that I'm one of the instructors in. It's called Who Will Go? This, this isn't your typical youth camp. It is a youth camp it's more like a boot camp. We, we are training the next generation to go to the mission field. Most youth camps, pastors send their young people there in hopes that they'll trust Christ as their Savior. We're hoping, praying, the ones that are already saved will come to our youth camp, and they will get to meet missionaries from all around the world. Those missionaries will preach in the mornings and at night and share their burdens and preach to these young people. But during the daytime, there's training going on. We teach them how to start a fire where there is no fire because in third world countries, typically they cook on an open fire. We teach them how to purify water because if you drink their water in a third world country, it's the biggest glorified diet plan you've ever experienced. We teach them how to use a knife. Most young people have no idea how to use a knife. We, I teach personal security because there is a likelihood you could get robbed in a third world country. We teach them what it's like to go to the market. See here, we, we have grown up with Publix, Walmart, Kroger. To our young people, chicken is in a packaged... Sorry, it's packaged. They have no idea. It's the very thing that stands on two legs and scratches in the yard. And so we slaughtered 35 chickens right in front of those young people. I cut every head off. You know what it's like to hand a flip-flopping chicken to a teenager and say, here, take this over to the dunking booth, and they're going to dunk it in scalding water, and then they're going to feather it, and then another missionary is going to teach them how to prep that meat for cooking. You say, why would you do that? That sounds horrific because the mission field's horrific. We, we have now a wimpy generation. Where is the pioneer spirit? Where are those that are willing to say, hey, I'll take on the hardships of the mission field. Come on, I'm willing to take on hell with a water pistol. Just just send me, I'm willing to go. Where's that crowd? Brother Saunders? where are these missionaries going to come from? From your children, your grandchildren. That's what we need. We desperately need more to go. Your pastor's probably already been teaching and preaching on faith promise and I know the cards are up here in the front. I will go ahead and tell you, I believe in faith promise. My wife and I also practice faith promise and I've seen God do amazing things through it. When I was in Bible college, I gave the faith promise. I had no idea where it was going to come from and yet God provided every month. There was one particular month I thought, man, this is it, Lord. Tomorrow, Sunday, I'm supposed to be giving it. Lord, I don't have it to give. I climbed in bed that night. I said, Lord, it's, it's, it's on you. I've done everything I can in my own power, my own strength. But, Lord, I'm trusting you. We all go to sleep. Lights are out in Bible college right around 11. Next thing I know, there's a knock at the door. It's my dorm soup. He said, Nathan, there, there's somebody here to see you. To this day, I really don't even know who this gentleman is. The only time I met him, I was already asleep, so I was, there was somewhat already a fog. I go to the door, and this man says, Mr. Saunders. I said, yes, sir. He said, you're one of the Bible college students here. I said, yes, sir. He said, the Lord told me I was supposed to give this to you yesterday. I'm so sorry. I got things got really busy, but I'm supposed to give this to you. And he hands me an envelope. I already knew what it was. Well, the next day, I, I went on to church. I opened that envelope out. is exactly what I've been given every month. I'm here to tell you, God blesses you for it. Here in Matthew chapter 14, I want you to see. This is a beautiful passage. I want you to look at me in verse 22. The Bible states this, and straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side. Well, he sent the multitudes away. When he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to, to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. In the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went on them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit! And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake of them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter, (laughs) me and Peter got a lot in common. Open mouth, insert foot. Peter answered him and said, Lord, If it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. When Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked in the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand, caught him, and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore dost thou doubt? When they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. And they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of truth, thou art the Son of God. Let's pray together. Lord, I love you. I thank you, Lord, for this day. And Lord, as I preach just for a little while, I pray to your God, may you have your hand upon this message. Fill my mouth with your words. Fill me with the Spirit of God. Lord, I pray to your Lord, will you do the work tonight in the hearts of every man, woman, and child here. I pray to your God, may you continue, Lord, to burden our hearts, Lord, for a lost and dying world. Lord, I pray me. you have your hand now upon this message. Help us, I pray, in Jesus' name, amen. When it comes to missions, we saw the emphasis this morning on souls. But tonight, I want you to see the emphasis on stepping out. Stepping out. Boy, it's, listen, it's, it's not an easy thing to do. But I promise you, it will be worth it. Here in this chapter, this chapter is just chock full of golden nuggets. The first thing you would see is the martyr. That was John the Baptist. He was the great forerunner for Christ and he was martyred for preaching the word of God. The second thing is the miracle, the feeding of the 5,000 with five loaves and two fishes. The third is what we're going to look at tonight, the moment. The moment is when Peter makes history. He does something that no one else has ever done. Outside of Christ, he walks on water. Peter does the unthinkable. He does the impossible. Brother Saunders, how did he get to this point? It's very simple. He stepped out. He stepped out. Brother Saunders, what's it like experiencing faith promise? It's pretty simple. It's stepping out. Brother Saunders, what's it like going to the mission field? It's stepping out. Brother Saunders, what's it like winning someone to Christ? It's stepping out. It's God increasing your faith. What the disciples pray? Lord, increase our faith. Stepping out. How did Peter get to this point? Number one, I want you to see, he stepped out for what? What he could control. He stepped out of what he could control. How many of you tonight would say, Brother Saunders, I am a control fanatic. Will you raise your hands? Come on now, hold your hands up. Don't be ashamed. Amen. Wives are going at you. Husbands are going at you. Amen. Here in verse 22, the Bible says, it says this, it says, and straightway Jesus constrained His disciples to get into the ship. Christ told them exactly what to do. Now, I will go ahead and just be honest with you. For some of those disciples, probably getting into a ship was probably not an easy thing to do. I mean, think about it. How many of y'all can't swim? Anybody? Now, let me go ahead and just tell you my theory of swimming. I grew up on an island, okay? I'm going to take you about a mile out and I'm going to throw you off the boat. And then I'm going to take a Coke and I'm going to sit down and drink it. If you're still swimming when I'm done drinking the Coke and I pick you, pick you back up in the boat, you can swim. You say, Brother and I cannot swim. Hold your hands up. Okay. It would make some of you all very uncomfortable to say, okay, get into the ship. The Lord wants you to step out of what you can control. We want to control certain things. We want to control what's on the television. We want to control where we're going to eat. We want to control what we're going to wear. i got to have control. Can I tell you something? The greatest thing ever is to say, Lord, I'm not in control. You're in control. Do you know what the Lord, one of those disciples, learned that day? Get into the ship. The very word constrained means almost by force. Get into the ship. Now, listen, he's a kid. I'm a man. If I really wanted to, I could make this individual stand straight up like this. Working law enforcement, there's certain things I can do. I promise you that inflicts pain enough, he would stand up on a dime. That's me telling I'm constraining him to stand up. He's going, no. <laughs> oh, Yeah. The Lord, He was constraining them to get into the ship. Now, listen for Peter. This is a no-brainer. For Peter, th- this is a place of comfort. For Peter, I mean, listen. He grew up on the ship. In fact, that's where Christ found him and some of the other disciples. They were cleaning their nets, and the Bible says in a straight way they forsook their nets and followed Him, all because He said He'd make them fishers of men. And I want you to understand that God wants... He's, he's constraining you tonight. He wants you to just step out. Step out of what you can control. Psalmist said in Psalms 37 verse 23, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delighteth in his way. They're ordered by the Lord. It means his way is always better than our way's. There was a lady named Cory Tinboom. She helped many of the Jews escape from the Nazis during the Holocaust of World War II by finding them and, hold and hiding them in her home. And she believed this was her mission field. This is what she said. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. L- let me say that again. Let it sink in. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Proverbs 3 and verse 5, it says, Trust the Lord with all thine heart and not on thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Is God telling you to get into the ship today? It, it, it is, you say, but Brother Saunders, I don't have all the answers. You, you, don't, you don't get all the answers. I've had people say, Brother Saunders, I, I don't know how I'm going to do my faith promise. It's okay. Just get into the ship. Let the Lord be the captain of your ship. And I promise you, stepping out just gets easier and easier. If you don't allow the Lord to control your life, I promise you the world will gladly take preeminence. Step out of what you can control, number two. He stepped out of what was comfortable. He stepped out of what was comfortable. Notice here in verse 27. Actually, let's, let's, let's read verse 26. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit, and they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter, and Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Just one simple word come. Come. He stepped out of what was comfortable. What was it that Christ constrained him to get into? It was a ship. And Brother Saunders, where is that ship now? It's in a storm. Now listen, I grew up on an island. I know what it's like to be on the sea. I've seen what it looks like when the storms begin to rage. I mean, listen, when you're on a boat, I've been on the boat where the waves get so big where you go all the way down and you look around you and it's nothing but water. Then all of a sudden, you're standing up so high you can see for miles. And so you go down... And you go up, and you go down, and you go up. Anybody ever gotten seasick before? That's rough. It's a rough thing. Step out of what's comfortable. I'd imagine for some of those disciples, well, I'm telling you, they're as green as can be, they're hanging on for everything they're worth. And here's Peter. I mean, they see Christ, and they're all scared. And Peter figures out it's Christ. He said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me to come unto thee. Peter knew who he was. Thou art the Son of God. That's what he said. Thou art the Son of God. Lord, if it be thou, bid me to come unto thee. You know what the Lord says? Just one simple word. Boy, listen, hey, it's deep theology. Come. Brothers Saunders, I just don't know how. I don't know how I'm going to do faith promise. Come. Brothers Saunders, I don't know if I could ever go to the mission field. Come, for some I don't know if I could lead someone to Christ. Come, for some of y'all, you're standing on the bow of the boat right now. By the way, can I tell you something? Boy, the water's feeling great. I don't want to be part of that crowd that stayed in the boat. I want to be part of that crowd that steps out. You got to step out of what's comfortable. For missionaries, can I tell you something? We, for us, we have to step out of what's comfortable. What's comfortable is being able to go to any restaurant here in the Bible Belt, and when you order sweet tea, it's going to come sweet. <laughs> when you live out west and you order sweet tea, I'm going to tell you what's going to show up. Unsweetened tea, and they're going to hand you a couple of packets of that pink stuff that gives you cancer.
2: Yep.
1: That's not sweet tea, eh, amen? Sweet tea should be sweet enough you can pour it over your pancakes if you run out of syrup. Amen? <laughs> hey, yep. I'm preaching good tonight. <laughs> now listen, hey, I'm telling you, you got to step out of what's comfortable. They are going to leave their family. Do you, know how, do you know what it's like to say goodbye to those grandkids? Well, let me help some of your grandparents out. I told you, listen, our missionaries, our evangelists, our pastors are going to come from your grandkids. Not my grandkids, Brother Saunders. I want my grandkids to stay close beside me where they'll be safe. They're safe from the center of God's will on the backside of someplace in the darkest jungles of... Africa than they are living in sin just down the road from you. I say, give them to the Lord. Step out of what's comfortable. I know it's a fearful thing, but you're safer in the hands of an almighty God than to live in fear of the what ifs. May I ask this question tonight? Who's going to go out west? Who's, Who's going to go out west? Each of those counties have towns, villages, and cities. Any of those towns can have anywhere from 600 people right on up to 60,000 people and not one independent Baptist church. Texas, everything's big in Texas. It is. The mission field's probably greater. I could take you to town after town where there's thousands upon thousands of people and we'll drive all through there and I'll say, hey, find me an independent Baptist church and you won't find one. And yet you and I sit in a beautiful facility. you got a pastor that loves you, cares for you, preaches the Word of God. you got an incredible choir. Hey, man, boy, I like it. It's got some soul to it, hey, man. You close your eyes, you think it's a black church. <laughs> I like it. But hey, listen, the joy we experience here, they don't experience any of it over there. You mean, Brother Nathan, you, you, you mean there's no VBS? There's no VBS. You mean there's no choir? There's no choir. You mean there's no piano player? There's no piano player. There's no preacher? There's no preacher. And those people, our own countrymen, will die and go to a devil's hell. And yet we sit here in comfort. We sit here in comfort. Well, you, If you want to know one of the greatest things that will ignite your passion for missions, is taking a mission trip. Take a mission trip. Better yet just take a vacation. Go out west. And while you're out there, come Sunday, try and find an independent Baptist church to go to. Good luck. Because they're few and far between. Step out of what's comfortable. For Peter, he grew up on the sea. The ship is a very comfortable place for him. Here in verse 24, I want you to see this. It says, but the ship was now... In the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. Peter discovers that he stepped out of what was comfortable. He hears Christ's voice speaking to him. Come. My father-in-law, when he was alive, he passed away about three years ago. My father-in-law grew up in a home of 11. Grew up in a poor home. Somebody dumped a box freezer in the pond right in front of their house. My father-in-law and his brothers found this, this box freezer. There's about this much water over the top of that thing. Across the pond was their home, and there's a little dock on there, and they saw their sisters walking in the house. My father-in-law, the wheels began to turn. He yelled out, Hey! We are men of God. Look at us. We can walk on water. It just takes faith. You can do it too. Just step off the dock. Do you know those sisters of his were gullible enough just to walk off? you know what happened to them? (laughs) Kadoosh. Now we laugh about that. Can I tell you something? Listen, hey, I'd rather be a risk taker for Christ than do nothing as a Christian. Some of you say, Brother Saunders, I'm too young. Let no man despise thy youth. Some of you say, Brother Saunders, I'm too old. I say, go out with a bang. Amen. I say, give God your very best to your last dying breath. Amen. I'd rather stand in front of God and God says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's what I want to hear. Amen. Step out of what's comfortable. Brother Saunders, he, it's safe here. Yeah, you know what we forget? The very individual that walked on the water... In the storm is the same one that's going to walk through the storm and carry you through the storm. Just step out. Step out of what's comfortable. Step out of what you can control. Last of all, step out for a cause. Peter stepped out of the boat. Peter walked on water. I've had people tell me, Brother Saunders, but you don't understand. Peter denied the Lord three times. Yeah, I know that. Peter cussed like a sailor. I know that. Wasn't it Peter, the one that cut the ear off of that guy? Yep. Yep. Yeah, and Peter's just like a lot of you and I. He's an everyday individual. Did God ever use Peter? Oh, yeah. Look at me in Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. This is, if I can get there. There we go. Acts chapter 2. Look with me here in verse 14. The Bible states this. Now, listen, after all that Peter did, did Peter sink? No, the Bible says he was beginning to sink. To sink means to go under, he's beginning to sink. And what a Christ time! him? Oh, you have little faith. We look at that and go see. Peter failed, Brother Saunders. Well, how many of us are perfect tonight? Raise your hands. No, not not, not any of us. But yet God decides to use Peter. I love the fact that there's an interjection here in verse 14. It says, but Peter. But Peter. Well, my my heart is so... My heart gets excited thinking, man, if God can use somebody like Peter who's messed up several times... Well, I'm so glad God can use somebody like me. You know that tells me? God can use somebody like you. You say, well, as, as you don't know who I am. It's okay. God knows exactly who you are. He knows, our, he knows our frame. He knows our weaknesses. And He knows our strengths. And yet God desires to use each and every one of us. The Bible states here, but Peter standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words. And boy, I mean, he, he commences the preaching. This is the day of Pentecost. Boy, I mean, Peter is preaching his heart out. It's Peter who's preaching. Listen to some of the ones that have gone on before us. William Carey, he was a missionary to India. He said, expect great things from God, attempt great things for God. Oswald J. Smith, a recruiter of missionaries. He says, we talk of the second coming. Half the world's never heard of the first. Amy Carmichael, a single missionary, young lady, she said to to, to India, she said, does it not stir up our hearts to go forth and help them? Does Does it not make us long to leave our luxury, our exceeding abundant light and go to them that sit in darkness? David Livingston, a missionary to Africa, he said, I'd rather be in the heart of Africa in the, in the will of God than on the throne of England, now the will of God. There was a man named William Booth. He's the founder of the Salvation Army. And no, I'm not talking about the clothes store. The Salvation Army that William Booth put together was an army of men and women that would go out on the streets at night and go after the drunkards and, and the prostitutes and win them to Christ and see their lives gloriously changed. He was a rough man because <laughs> he had to deal with a rough world. This is what he said. Not called, did you say? Not called? Not heard the call, I think you should say. Put your ear down to the Bible and hear him bid you go and pull sinners out of the fire of sin and put your ear down to the burden agonized heart of humanity and listen to its pitiful wail well for help. Go stand by the gates of hell and hear the damned entreat you to go to their father's house and bid their brothers and sisters and servants and masters not to come there and then look Christ in the face whose mercy you have professed to obey, and tell him whether you will join heart and soul and body and circumstances in the march to publish his mercy to the world. Hey, Peter, was it worth stepping out? Look with me in verse 41. One individual, used by the power of God, he preached just for a while. When it's all said and done, look here in verse 41. Then they that gladly received His word were baptized the same day. There were added unto them about how many? Well, say it all together. How many? Three thousand souls. Three thousand souls. All because one individual was willing to step out. Now, I have a question for you tonight. I wonder who here at Hushton Baptist Church, you're just like Peter. To everybody else, you're not really much of anybody. But that was Peter. He smelled like rotten fish all the time. He's just an old fisherman. Did he make mistakes? Oh, he made mistakes all the time. Was his faith strong? No, not really. But boy, I'm so glad of a God of second chances, amen? That God would be willing to use somebody like Peter. The Bible says 3,000 souls were saved that day. But Saunders, how, how, how did he get to that point? It's very simple. Ready? He Just stepped out. stepped out. How is Houston Baptist Church going to grow? It's pretty simple. Want some individuals say, Lord, I'm not much of anybody. Lord, here, here's my life. Lord, I'll give you, I, I gave you my heart for salvation, but Lord, here's my life. Lord, I'll give you my life if you'll give me the privilege of inviting more to church. Lord, here's my life if you'll allow me to Hand out more tracks, Lord. Here's my life. If you'll help me, Lord, to give more to Faith Promise, it's pretty simple. It's just one step after another step after another step. What about you tonight? I wonder who you are. You're the Peter of Houston Baptist Church pretty simple. It's finding a place in the altar and saying, God, by faith, if you'll use me, I'm going to step out for you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. As the pianist comes to the piano tonight, you may be here tonight, you say, Brother Saunders, I'm going to be real and honest with you. My faith hasn't been what it should be. Brother Saunders, will you pray for me that I'll be like Peter and I'll give my life to God? And I'll step out by faith. Would you hold your hands up? God bless you and you. I see those hands. God bless you. Oh, that God would increase our faith. You know the best thing to do? The first step is right on out of the pew, find a place in the altar and say, God, Lord, will you help me? Lord, will you help me to step out of what I can control? Lord, help me to step out of what's comfortable. And God, help me to step out for a cause. Can I tell you something? When you have a cause, it gives you a goal in mind and a determination to do to accomplish it. As the piano begins to play, let's stand to our feet. If you need to come to the altar tonight, why don't you move right now? I encourage you to do so. Step out.
2: Tossed to and fro, the disciples were fearing for their very lives. They were lost at...
3: evening while she plays just for a moment, I wonder if you'd come tonight and pray for the remainder of this conference. Pray that God would provide you with a a burden, a desire. Maybe you've not ever had a burden. Maybe you've never experienced a desire. Maybe you've never had God move on your heart call you to do something that you just couldn't be satisfied unless you do that I wonder would you come tonight just ask him that doesn't matter how old you are no matter how young you are it doesn't matter what you think it might be just come down here and ask him God give me a burden tonight give me a burden this week break my heart for a cause Lord maybe the cause is West Jackson County that's mine maybe your cause is the west of U.S., that's Brother Nathan's, but ask God to give you a burden, get serious with the Lord, and ask him to break your heart and give you a burden, would you pray? God, I pray you'd bless this time, Lord, bless these that have come, help us, Lord, make commitments and decisions for you. Would you look this way just for a minute. Thank you so much for your heart and for your desire, and uh, thank you for being here tonight for your attention. Brother Nathan, we appreciate the good word and the encouragement, and um, please come back and be a part of the conference for the rest of this week, just Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. I'm asking for two nights that you don't normally give me. If we do this together, God will profit it, and I want you to be here for it. I want us to be here as a family and uh, invite somebody, somebody that normally sits on the pew with you on Sunday mornings. Call them and tell them what they're missing and uh, encourage them. Do you, do you need something? There's a list on the table that of the ladies okay. men who already work with kids who like to help with nursery this week. Okay. Very great. Yeah, we do need some nursery help this week. We had two babies in the nursery tonight and we're trying to provide that. And so uh, there's a sign-up sheet out there, ladies. If you're able and uh, available we'd appreciate your help and we will be taking a love offering each night uh, so come uh, prepared for that and then tomorrow night we hear from this family is that correct okay and so come back tomorrow night you'll hear from this family and uh, uh, their their call and then brother Nathan will share with us again all hearts and minds are clear all God's people said Amen. amen thank you God bless you